You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency up, in their you lives. Fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm your host, Navy SEAL motivational speaker, author, and coach, David Rutherford, here with my partner in crime, my teammate, my brother, Mr. Never Quit himself, Mr. Marcus Luttrell. Marcus, you fired up, be back on. Back together again. <laughs> Who thought anybody would have let that happen? Never. Nobody. <laughs> it's one of those things that I think when, 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 when they finally separate team guys, they're like, oh, thank God. But now we have figured out. <laughs> yeah, they, they needed. They had to separate us, real, because we'll migrate eventually. Find find our way back. It's like that internal homing device, <laughs> right? <laughs> Someone's near. Oh, I love it. I love it. So here's what the team never quit podcast. If you're not, if you're just tuning in for the first time, and 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 you really are like, hmm, this is interesting. I want to tell you what we're all about. Our our mission here is to expose people across America and around the world to the never-quit mindset in order to help them succeed in the combat of their lives, whatever that may be. And Marcus and I talk to each other all the time about, you know, listen, we all have unique stories. We all have something special to talk about. And for us, it really is that never-quit story. That's why we're doing it. So our show is breaking down in a few sections, three sections. We have the main intro and, and our, our little historical segment. And then we bring the guests on and we do a little mad minute to get a little mad minute with them to get their brains function, to get our juices flowing, to have a couple laughs if, if possible. Uh, and then in the, in the interviews, when that's what really the meat and potatoes of this thing is, is we've got some incredible epic guests Especially our guest is coming on today, and we'll we'll talk about him here in a second. It's just funny when 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 Marcus when, when we were talking about right that smile came on your face, didn't oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> I just just one of the ones where after a while it's like ah, get <laughs> your cheeks, yeah. your cheeks are all banged up. All right, so what you want? Please go ahead and and you go to the after actions report section on tnqpodcast.com, uh, which is located on teamneverquit.com's website. And there we'll have an after actions report, which is a short section where our interviewee or us will give you the how to, what to take away from the interview, how to apply it in your life so you too can develop your never quit mindset. And I think that's the beat. That's a huge part, don't you? Sure. We're bringing them on here and everybody has a certain way, not only that they get through adversity, but how they explain how they did. And one of the... Some people are, are great at describing that, and some aren't. And the, we're the kind of the conduit in between. You know, we're they're bouncing those stories off of us because we've had unique lives and, and, and been through a lot and know a lot of people who've been through a lot. And the after action is basically uh, 
us breaking down and take it, what we took away, just like in it, just like at work, taking away what we did good, what we did bad, and how you can apply it to to uh, to the next day. All right, so let's get right into our historical moment, shall we? What do you think? So the, the the person I wanted to talk about for today with our guest that's coming on, and they've got something very in common, and you'll find out as soon as I say this. But the person I wanted to talk about, Marcus, is is Bob Hope, the entertainer. Sure. Talk about him anytime you want. <laughs> now, now people are probably scratching their heads listening right now. Did, did Rutt just say Bob Hope? Yes, I did. I said Bob Hope. Now, let me tell you why. It's not because of all the incredible hundred, I think it's like 170 films he was in. I mean, my fa- one of my favorite is Some Like It Hot, right? They yeah. filmed it at the Hotel Dell, right? You see all, when you go in there and... Uh, we didn't see much of the inside. We saw a lot of the rocks in the past, but <laughs> from uh, from afar, we saw uh, it from, from afar, afar. Right? ocean view. <laughs> but but you know, this man is a comedic genius. But the thing that really touches us, and why we're talking about him, is because the man had fifty-seven deployments, fifty-seven times over the, the the his his fabled career. The guy went downrange to entertain the troops. 57 times. I mean, we're talking about him. That ought to tell you right there. I mean, if you, in the generations that keep coming, those guys that go in and serve in the military, man, I mean, Bob Hope, I mean, there's tanks named after him. I mean, and and I was thinking about it and, and everything that, that he not did for America, people back home entertaining them, and then, then when the wars would jump off and some some of us would have to go over and, and work, and he would come over there and, and entertain us uh, in the places we were. Uh, most I mean, of it hostile. I, 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 I mean, you got. I was thinking about these entertainers that because we know a lot of them. Yeah. are coming up, and and I, maybe this is the one thing that doesn't go that does get overlooked. But from a military perspective, you got to understand Bob Hope's probably safest man on the planet because him willing to come over and entertain us. Just the, when someone does something like that for for me when I was over there, I don't. I still remember everybody who, who I got a chance to see while they were over there. That's cool. And I have a deep respect just because of that, and willing. And we would be willing to do anything for them. I mean, to protect them just because they're not serving in the military, but they are very, very much a part of it. And it, there's there's so much that goes on when you're in a combat zone that that that's actually bring when they someone like that shows up, man, it jerks us out of that reality we're in and, and sends us back home. Yeah. And it, just for a second, that's worth it. It is worth it. I mean, I, I remember my first USO thing I saw and and when we first got to Afghanistan in 02. You know, it was, it was, who was it? It was the Raven cheerleaders. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, well, I've always been a big fan of them anyways. So uh, I didn't get a chance to see them overseas. They earned that before that. <laughs> and it wasn't the fact that, you know, that they were cheerleaders, although at that particular time, it, yeah. <laughs> that was all right. It was, again, it was that the effort they're making, the realization that, hey, you know, there are people putting their lives on the line so I can do what I love to do for a living. And, and Bob Hope was the epitome of that. I mean, the guy did it in World War II. He did it in Korea. He did it in Vietnam. He did it. I mean, his final trip, I think, over was was during the first Gulf War. Right. I, mean, I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing. That's a lot of wars in one lifetime. Holy cow. I mean. And, and imagine the connections he made with the guys. Exactly. But I mean. <laughs> Think about it like this. He was in a lot of wars. Entertaining or fighting, you're over there in it. You're in it. Yep. 
and talking to them guys and seeing that that affects people. I mean, you know it as well as I do. You sit and talk to them. some of those guys. I mean, you feel it, especially if you're over there. So, I mean, all those deployments, all those. I mean, that's, that's well. One of the things that I love about the man too, and and is is the stories of how not only would he go and he'd do stage acts, but Bob would would or Mister I'm calling him Bob, Mister Hope would literally walk into the uh, aid station, the right, the recovery oh, yeah. station. Sure. And, and he would go through bed by bed and shake a guy's hand, tell him a joke or two, and just lift his spirits a little bit. I, I, it just boils down to some, some people God's blessed with something a little extra in, inside of them that pushes past most human nature, right? Amen. See past all of that. And he could do that. And where you learn to really just... It's how you, you, it's that self-evaluation, yeah. right? It's that moment to realize that, you know, being on this earth is not about me. It's about uh, you. Humanity. And I mean, it's, it's, kind it's of, about uh, how I'm going to serve you to make you a better person. Yeah. There's a lot to that, man. Somebody is just, just all about somebody else, man. Don't matter what's going on right now, man. Hey, what's going on with you? You know, just that second to talk about it. Don't worry about the stuff blowing up. I know the building's on fire. How's everything been kind of deal? That control and chaos. Well, one of the cool things that I love about getting out on the road and giving a speech is, is those moments, those special moments, either before or after, when someone comes up, whether it's a kid or it's a, a person that's in their struggle or that's in that dark space that you and I have both been in, right? And 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 that's what connects us to. And and they share that with you. And they really just say, you know, hey, thank you. Yeah. For what you just said to me is gonna give me hope to make it through. And it may not mean something to you. That's the biggest deal, man. You have any idea just being sitting down and talking to somebody or being nice to them, just you have no idea what that what that person would just happen to be going through the minute you stop to talk to him or where it takes him after. Yeah. I mean, it's just always, Hey, I'm human, man. And I'm by nature, kind of an aggressive person. So I'm not always in a good mood. And, and, and I, I, I try to apologize profusely for it, man. But in the front of my mind, I'm always saying when somebody walks up, man, smile, man, just, you know, that's a big deal for team guys, man. We don't smile. It's, they take that away in buds. One of like, my favorite smile, things. Man. One of my favorite things is is when I'm out on the road and people, you know, people are always like, "Do you know Marcus?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know Marcus." And like, why is he so intense? And I go, "The Marcus I know ain't intense. He's smiling all the time, man." Yeah, I mean, my, <laughs> our job was to be intense. You know, I mean, it's kind of you can't pull that away from us. So no. my natural thought in my natural state is that yeah i have to physically thank god that's what melanie's around for <laughs> the boss right <laughs> hey, flip that switch back to you know neverland there and just <laughs> yeah how you doing <laughs> and, and that's important if you're listening to realize that you don't do it alone right no no and it's okay you're gonna what i'm trying to say is man everybody has them everybody has bad days man it just just think it back yourself and I, it's important and, and I have that one person you can bounce everything off of, man. So when you run into them, it's just, man, what's, I'm uplifted. Thank you. Yeah. And, and and I think that's another reason why I wanted to bring, you know, why we wanted to talk about Bob Hope, because this guy did this for how many thousands of troops that maybe were in that dark day, that moment, yeah. you know, in the midst of war, probably just lost their buddy or their, their swim by their teammate. And, 
you know, they're really in the dumps. And then all of a sudden this man shows up and he makes them laugh for an hour. I mean, he's legendary for going on for hours and hours yeah. and just entertaining the and tell him, the, the beauty about his trip through all this is, man, he would tell stories in the new war from the old one. And like, <laughs> you think this is bad? <laughs> and then if you got him up there saying that, then it would just... <laughs> he's in Saigon saying, <laughs> yeah. hey, I'll tell you what, the Chosan, let, let me uh, tell you about the Chosan, you know? Old and... Uh, <laughs> I love it. Well... Let me let me let's go on to the next part. Let's let's prep the this 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 battlefield for what's coming next. And and I think you know the the guy that we're, that's coming on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is is really the modern day Bob Hope in a, in, in a in a way. He's an icon. He he's a master of his profession. He really is a special guy. And I'm I'm very blessed over the last few years to uh, getting to know him. Start calling him a friend. Um, and, and that's Charlie Daniels, uh, the country music icon. And, and we're going to get him on here in a little bit, but, but, you know, Marcus, tell, tell me your earliest memories of, of hearing Charlie Daniels. I was a boy. I mean, young fourth grade, third grade before I was listening, but that's when I realized who he was before. Well, well let, let me just hold that hat up. So, so well, you're going to see this on my head. Yeah, so he, he put it, it on my head let and it just kind of. <laughs> And he did that in front of a crowd, and I was like, "That's a big. That's I felt like a little kid." You did. Went all the way back to being the little kid in in the big man's hat. And I felt like when he put it on my head, I was just wanting to hug his leg. It was cool, man. I took oh took, took me all the way back. So I mean, I I remember my mom or my dad had had the uh, had a tape in there, and I wanted to learn. Dad went down to Georgia. Me and my brother did. We were on the stairs. We had a tape. Uh, quarter not even a radio so we had to put tape in and flip it to rewind it right and learn that song and then my dad would have it in the, in the truck and we were driving down the road or on the horses on the property working and i'll just remember listening when i started to listen to the songs you could tell man he writes from the stuff that he's been through so when you hear that song where he's like ah I got a flat and the road on the shoulder, limped on down the road, went into a, a honky tonk. Because we grew up in these honky tonks. So you walk in there and there's the guy, you know, with, with a crooked eye, with the lady with the tattoo. That's real, man. That's I mean, that's, yeah, he's rolled in there and done that. <laughs> and so I always thought, man, this guy is his, those, those old outlaw country western singers, man, traveling the roads and those honky tonks. That's what they call them outlaws because this is an outlaw zone or used to be an outlaw zone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you went in not there. Not so much anymore, right? but. But not only did you have to put on a good show, you probably had to fight your way out of there if you didn't. <laughs> so, I mean, it was great. And I grew up on that that old, uh, those old outlaws. I like to say that, that our generation were a cross between, uh, you know, Charlie Daniels and Snoop Dogg. So, cause, so we were a bunch of country boys who roll in groups. <laughs> totally, I, you know what I mean? Totally. That's, that's, my, that's the Gen X kind of my, mindset in, with me because I still roll with my crew that I grew up with. There's nine oh, of us, man. We're inseparable. Awesome. Uh, he is... Uh, uh, a conduit to the past, man. You throw he one is. of those in, and I can, he'll he can jerk me back to uh, many a place, right? In a, in a good soon, time, in as, a good time. As soon as you hear, that went down to Georgia. I mean, that's some, <laughs> that son of a gun could pull a bow across a fiddle, different than most people. I, it's I've, I like listen. The first time I got to see the man do it live. I think I was at the old Opry at the Ryman Theater oh. and I was backstage and I'm looking on side and he breaks this thing out. And man, the guy is going on 80 years old, dude. He he looked like he was 17 and oh, on yeah. fire, man. I mean, and, and like I said, I grew up listening to his songs and the, he, he wrote about those. So when I was thinking about that kind of deep thought thing, I mean, 
the way he plays that fiddle, I mean, he might have got a, 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 a trip from the devil and laid that golden fiddle down all, all in front of him. It happened, dude. And, and he could roll like that. He picked it up and, and picked it so good that the devil just went back down. You know, totally. and, I mean, I, that's how I think of him because he can't. God dang, that sucker can. <laughs> I mean, roll it, dude. What, what, what I love is, what I love too is, you know, here's a guy that is a God-fearing man. I mean, you know, God comes first in his life. But you know that, you know, Rolling with Leonard Skinner and oh, and Mush, Marshall Tucker band. I mean these these Charlie and, and Ronnie Van Zamp basically invented sa- Southern rock oh, and yeah, roll. Yeah. Sure. I mean they 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 developed a musical genre. Look, I didn't I didn't should have told this. I, I've never spoken to this. My mother and my brother are the only ones alive that no. And my wife. I mean, I had my mom buy me a, a fiddle when I was. No way! I still, ah, that's I still so have awesome. it. I can't play it worth a lick. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, man. But I would just hold that thing and listen to him play that. And I, I, like I said, I still have it. It's been out of the case one time, man. But I forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, when you got guys like that in your life, when they kind of when they, they touch, impact yeah, it. you know, it hits you hard. You and then you kind of look at them more than what they're doing up on stage. I started looking at him as a man and how he carries himself. And and I'm a religious man, God believing God, and then I like to have a good time as a country. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. kind of emulate the, what where you're from, what you are, and in the positive role models in yeah. your life, and just carry them down. And he's one of those ones that kind of transcends m- multiple. Uh, you know, he can touch multiple people's lives. Yep. Not just us country boys. No, no, at all. And, and I, I tell you what, I mean, I grew up in South Florida, right? And and. I remember the first time I was growing up, I was into like Kiss and I was into, sure. you, you know, those bands and uh, Jimi Hendrix. But when I first heard when that movie Urban Cowboy, Urban Cowboy came yeah. out and that scene in Gillies yeah. where he's sitting there playing, Hammering I, it. My, my, my <laughs> parents will tell you, I went out, bought that record and Devil went down to Georgia, played every day, all day in my house for like six months. It's just um. Even if you don't know how to dance, if you have the full-on white man's disease like I do, well, I, when that I, sucker I, starts picking, you will dance. Yeah, 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 exactly. Look Your body starts jerking in weird <laughs> movements, man. Uh, even if it's a toe tap, I mean that sucker oh, will fire you up, boy. It, it just it gets inside your soul, gets you fired yeah, up, and you said it perfect because you that hard rock style, yeah. man. And you probably just first time thumbing through a channel and heard him jamming like that, and you're like, hey, it's and come to find out, it's some old redneck boy from the Carolinas that awesome. can hammer it down. Awesome. Well, all right. Enough about you. You and I could go on for days yeah. talking about the man. I think it's it's absolute time that we bring the man on. So, all right, stand by. Here he comes. All right, Marcus. I know. You're just as fired up as I am because I am chomping at the bit for this one. This could be my all-time favorite, and and it, because there's something about this guy, and 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 I'm so proud to to call Charlie a friend now. I know you've met him a few times, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. and I know that you know I'm sitting here looking at his hat right yep. next to the- you, and then. <laughs> And then Charlie, and uh, just say, I'll let you know, uh, we're staring at your bow, and the devil went down to Georgia lyrics right over our shoulder right now. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Country Music Hall of Fame inductee, Mr. Charlie Daniels. How you doing, Charlie? Hey, guys. I'm doing great, man. I'm in uh, Tennessee pulling out for New Jersey. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I think they like country music in New Jersey, don't they? 
They do if he sings it. Oh, yeah. They like country music all over the world, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, Charlie, the, the, whole, the whole reason why we started this podcast, Marcus and I, is because we really believe, much like you do, that everybody's got a great story. And that story of, of their ability to persevere in those trying situations and really come through, you know, that, that everybody's got that. But there are those people out there that are struggling and they need to hear some help. And that's why we started this show. And, and we wanted to have people from every industry out there, every walk of life, everybody. And so when we started, when we first started thinking, all right, let's, who are we going to pick from the music industry? I, I it like literally after the thought came out, I, I said, I, it's Charlie. I mean, hands oh, yeah. down. <clears throat> all so, I did was start smiling. I've been grinning like a, a lot. I just, <laughs> <laughs> It's a big oh, deal to I me, am man. I'm so honored to be with you guys. I thank you very much for having me on. It's an honor to be with you anytime. Well, well cool. Cool. What David was saying, it's it, what we're trying to do is is pull back the kind of curtain a little bit because pe- people in in our situation, especially in your sir, that, I mean, you've taken it so far to what somebody can achieve when they're working hard. A, a lot of people know a lot of your stories, and they're come out in your songs. Trust me, I was raised on on your songs, but there's always that one that usually sticks back in the back of your head. That's a constant reminder. That's a, usually the first one to flash up, but the one you don't talk about a lot. And one thing Dave and I are pretty keen on is just telling the world how uh, yeah how many times we've been down to the bottom, and, and, <laughs> yep. and that made us who we are today. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so Charlie, the way we like to get started. And get fired up. We're going to give you what's called the Mad Minute, all right? Okay. The Mad Minute is just is just to get you warmed up, get you thinking, get you laughing, get you enjoyed, engaged before we jump right into that big never quit story. So here we go. Here's the first question in the Mad Minute. Where'd you grow up? Born in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I grew up all over the South, all over North and South Carolina and Georgia. My dad was in the timber business, and uh, his job kept us moving around quite a bit. And uh, when I first started to school back in uh, 1940-something, <laughs> I went to school in Wilmington, North Carolina for two weeks. And then we left town, and I went to Malvasta, Georgia, and that was to be the pattern of my life all the way through grammar school at least and part of part of junior high school but uh, we moved just pretty often so i've been to as many as three schools in one school year more times than one wow all right all right second question is oh uh, if you had to watch a movie twice what movie would you watch oh i could name a couple of those uh lost and dove being one <laughs> boom uh, <laughs> never, is never over. that's tired. all you had to say to know what you need to know about that man <laughs> Never get tired of watching Lost and Love. I saw it again uh, just the other day, and it's it's just as good as it ever was. That's probably a movie that I will watch every few years from now on because it never gets old. I just oh. the acting in it's great. the The story is, is something that I really enjoy, the, and it's just I love western stuff. So I, I will probably always watch that movie every once in a while. Cowboys and Outlaws, man. Uh, you can't beat that. All right, here's the next question. Is Google more likely to save the world or destroy it? Well, the damn sure ain't going to save it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't think it's going to destroy it either. I, I, you know, I don't. This stuff, I came up in the day of dial telephones and party lines, you know? <laughs> I mean, one of those situations where... You had, you know, three, four, five families on one line. That was 
that was state-of-the-art technology when I was a kid. And all of this technology is going on now just kind of, you know, really kind of baffles me. And I haven't really got the scope of it yet. But I am just constantly amazed at the the instant communication. I know a lot of people use it, for instance, Twitter. A lot of people use it for, for a lot of different things. I use it for communication to get the word out about what I'm doing and where we're going and just a social sort of thing. A lot of people try to use it for a bad purpose. I mean, try to, you know, they want to, everybody to bring everybody down to the bare level of worrying about things or complaining about things or whatever. So I think it depends on the attitude that you have when you go into those rooms, I don't go into chat rooms and things, but, uh, you know, some people, I think, take these things way too seriously. After all, it's nothing but words written on a, instead of being written on a page, they're electronically transposed onto a page, but that, that's all they are. They are not, you know, the people hide behind these little icons and stuff and snipe at people, people who would never dare come up and do it in person. So I think sometimes we tend to take it a little bit too seriously. So I think people should, you know, if you, if you can't, like old Harry said, you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. If you can't <laughs> take what's going on, on 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 whatever these things have to be, don't go on the doggone things. There's no law that says you have to. Amen. But nothing makes me madder than... Yeah, you'd, you'd be amazed if you just turn that off that, that all that madness goes away. Yeah. And it's regular life. Yeah. If you just don't look yeah. at it. Yeah. And nothing makes me madder than to hear about some impressionable teenage girl who a bunch of kids have ganged up on oh, yeah, and, man, you know, man. gotten her depressed to the point of suicide or something. I'm, come on, this is ridiculous, you know, to, for, for people to do that. But people, there's always going to be people that use things for good, and there's always going to be people who use things for, for evil. So we sure. just have to grow some skin if we're going to be involved in stuff like that. Got to have that thick skin for sure. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes and, 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 and why everybody is tuning in because I know, Charlie, for after playing music for over six decades and all the incredible accomplishments that you've had, um, you know, on and off the stage, really. I mean, your dedication to us, the veterans, and everybody else uh, in your that you take care of and that you support and and your livelihood, man, uh, you know, one of the things I think with people tuning in, what they want to know is, what is your greatest never quit story? You know, I, I came, I've got several of those. I came to Nashville with a $20 bill and a clutch out of my car and a wife and a baby. And, you know, I just uh, would have been easy to have gone out and look for a daytime job pumping gas or something, but I, did, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play music. I was bound. That's what I came to Nashville for. I was determined I was going to do that. I just wanted, you know, I have never really seriously considered giving up. I've never got to that point. I've never got to the point that, that I have been so disgusted or so discouraged with what I was doing that I gave up. And being a Christian, I've got the Lord to lean on. And Amen. I just, you know, I, I think when we head in that direction, we just have to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you know? Uh, I used to work for a club owner out in Oklahoma, and he, he his whole byword was, well, they can kill you, but they can't eat you, you know? <laughs> in other words, there's just so much. <laughs> there's just so much got that, to look that forward can to. happen to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to go any further than it's going to go. But comparing my experiences to experiences you guys have been through, I mean, that's like, you know, 
I, I wouldn't even begin to do it. So I had never been to that point. And, and, and Marcus, I've read your book, and if I, I don't know how you ever got past the, the things that you went through, and I've never been in anywhere close to that kind of situation. But and that's uh, and that's perfect because the, what, I'm, I'm sorry, but what 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 this is is the fact that. I, I, my situation might have been different, but you and I are exactly the same human-wise. So all we did was follow different paths, but we're cut from the same cloth. Well, you know, I, I am so honored to hear you say that, man. I would like to be cut from the same cloth you guys are. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, are. It's, it's the same thing. We had that, that direction that we were going at, and, and nothing was going to stand in our way. Just like you said, I, I, you came there to be... I mean, uh, to sing music. Well, I went into the Navy to be a Navy SEAL. I wasn't getting anything in my way, neither with, with Rut. And that that's what is unique about what we're doing here. And that's what's unique about all of us, those guys who have that drive, is that, hey, I, I mean, people watch you and they see your success. But, I mean, they, a lot of people don't – they often forget – all those days on the road with the van, with the wife, uh, sleeping in the van, sleeping on the side of the road, uh, just stuff breaking. And that and that is all the same. I mean, the outcome might be a little bit different, but getting through those ditches is the same. And that's what we're talking about. Well, I, I, I certainly agree with you with that. I mean, everybody has their own demons to fight, their own battles to get through. So on different levels, yeah, you're right. Charlie, I, I got a question. So, you know, you went there. Where did this come from? I mean, who was the person that instilled in you that if you just stick to it and you figure it out and you write a good song or you play those instruments well, uh, you know, a lot of people don't even know that Charlie played bass on three Bob Dylan albums. Right. And, and Everything. He plays everything. And everything. And so, yeah. you know, where did you learn that? Who taught you the, the you know, the, the, the beginnings of your never quit mindset? I just got started with, you know, with, with where are we, the time, let's go, let's go back. I'll be eight years old, 28th October. And I just, I come from a different time, a different age. I came from farming people and logging people and people who make a living with their hands. They got up early in the morning and went out and worked all day long. And the thing about it was, if you put the seed in the ground and you didn't plant it and hoe it and take care of it, if you had nothing coming out of the ground, you had no living. If you didn't get in the woods and cut the timber down and harvest it, you had no living. Nobody did it for you. There was no safety nets to fall back on. You either went out and worked or your family didn't didn't have anything to eat. And that's what I come from is you depend on the good Lord and yourself and what you're able to do. So that's the that's where I could there was just no other place to go. It was either you do it or it don't get done. And you know, that's the attitude that that you guys who have served in the military that's your attitude. That's your attitude that I've got to do my job is this, and I've got to do it. And so many of the youth nowadays in this country that I run across are just constantly like, let somebody else do it or give me something or whatever. And, you know, to me, that's the biggest problem with the nation is that we have lost the, the so much, not everybody, but so much of that ethic that 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 made this country great from the pioneers on and that, that, that did something because it needed to be done and nobody was going to do it for them. And I've come from that time. So I'm pretty determined. And that's, that's what's cool to hear, you know, that it was a different time and, and, you know, and, and you were as your career, you know, it, you know, it's funny, you know, when you look at people, everybody's like, well, Charlie's been huge for, 
for 30 years, <laughs> you know, but there was 30 years before that he was grinding it out and he was on the road and they were playing every small town fair across America. And, you know, they, I remember David, just when I saw you last for the Danny Deeds foundation thing, we just did, David told me a story about how you guys were in some juke joint in the middle of nowhere and the guy decided not to pay you guys. So David ripped open the Coke machine with a crowbar and took all the change so you guys could pay for your next hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that is, uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody's got a few tales like that if you've been around long enough. I, you know, I just, uh, I believe in doing whatever it takes to get the job done. And I have over a period of the last 40 years, uh, may have been blessed with getting an organization together that that all want to do the same thing. That's the, that is the, it's not a secret, it's a very open thing that everybody should know of, of unity, of having a good company or a good anything, is you find people with common interests with yours. Yeah, you know, you can't right. go out and hire people that don't care what you're doing, that don't, are going to show up late for work, that do sloppy work and they're going to give you a bad reputation or don't get along with people. If I had a, if I had a road manager and went and cussed out every hotel clerk they dealt with, nobody would want to see us come back again. <laughs> uh, if we had somebody that was nasty with promoters or with, or, or represented us in a bad way, but we don't have that because we got 30 people that are all interested in doing the same thing. And everybody puts their selves into their jobs and they do their jobs. And that's, it's no big deal. It's, if you do, when you do what you are supposed to do, you don't deserve accolades. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. It's when you go over and above that you deserve accolades. It's when you right. do more than what you, you have to do. And that's the attitude in this outfit and why I love working with these people so much and everything. Everybody goes over and above. We're going out this weekend. We got uh, we got a couple of people sitting right at death in the family and, and sorry. one of the band's families. And we're going out, you know, kind of shorthanded and uh, using a, a, a guy that's uh, – our road manager is sick, and we we just close ranks. One one guy takes a little bit of the job, another guy takes another little bit of the job, sure. and we get it all done. Uh, rather than sitting back and saying, oh, what are we going to do? Our road manager's out. Our keyboard player's out. You know, what are we going to You don't do that. You go do whatever it takes to get the job done. And that's the attitude in this outfit. Somebody will take part in the job. Somebody will take another part. Somebody will take another part in, in addition to the job that they're doing. And we'll go get the job done. We'll go play the dates and we'll, you know, we'll come back home. I mean, that's, that's how it works here. That's how it should work. Now, that's how the military exists. That's that's exactly how we run. That's why it's been cohesive like that for as long as it has. And we recognize the ones who have the stay power. So, I mean, y'all's organization just because you implement and they're and, in the grind right, every day. Yeah, yep. do that same thing. Well, one of the things that I I love, you know, that about the teams is is we learn that from the get go. And we've got that common mission, right? We've got the we all know what our job, what the tasking is. And, and it's it's the driving force to get down range to get on a battlefield. For you guys, Charlie, is it is it about putting on the performance for the people in the audience, or is it more about just playing music for each other? What is that driving force that allows those thirty people, the team, to just get out there and keep doing a hundred hundred twenty shows a year for as long as you have? Our mission, if you will, 
if we could call it that, and I'm sure that's an apropos name for it because it is a missionary. That's what our it first, is. Yeah. First, yeah. Our first thing that we do, our first responsibility is to entertain everybody who comes to a show, everybody who's bought a ticket. Uh, that's the first thing you do. The, the fact that we have fun doing it is bonus, you know. But the first thing we do, our responsibility is to the people who have bought the tickets. And when, you know, we always, people say, what are you going to play? Well, I'm going to play the songs you know. Because that's why people come to see you. I hate to go see a band play. They do a medley of their hits, and then they spend the rest of their night trying to save their new album. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear those tunes. I want to hear the songs that I've heard played on the radio. Well, it's the same way with us. People want to hear Devil Went Down in Georgia. They want to hear Leisure Woods, Long Hair Country Boy, and so on. So we always do those songs. You owe that to people. That's your stock in trade. That's the product you're selling. It's something that they've heard before, and then you put the new stuff in between it and all the stuff, the kind of little self-indulgent stuff that you want to do. But first and foremost, our mission is to entertain the people. That's awesome. That's awesome. And well, that's it, what feeds the machine. That is. That's the machine. Yeah. That's the that's the fuel that drives them. Now, now, Charlie, obviously, man, and and you know, sir, you know, I have the most profound respect for you out of, out of just about anybody I know on this earth. You know, but you're, you know, you said yourself you're turning eighty <laughs> this October, but yet you're still out there every single do. Every single, well, what, 120, 120 shows a year. Why are you still doing that? What's driving you to want to get out there? Because I love what I'm doing. I love the people I do it with. It's a joy to me. I love the traveling. I love the, I love all the, the peripheral things involved. I love to write the songs. I love recording. I love everything. But most of all, I am addicted to walking on stage in front of a crowd of people and playing my music to them. I am like an old racehorse just straining to get out of the starting gate when the time comes for us to go on. I'm ready to go. And, you know, that's if I ever lost that, if I lost that edge, that feeling, that feeling of, of I can't wait to go play for y'all and show you what I can do, I would quit. I would not bore people with something I was not interested in. But I am I am still excited. I still, people ask me if I get butterflies in my stomach. I don't get butterflies in my stomach, but I, I get something very akin to that. And, you know, I'm just always ready to go on stage and play for people when I get somewhere. So that's what keeps me going. I love the people I do it with, and I love what I do. I thank God I make a living doing something I enjoy so much. And that's really the special I, I ne- part. I've never seen an old bird dog didn't want to hunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, hey, that's great, man. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I heard you use that racehorse analogy. We we have that one in my family, too. And we also have that bird dog one. And I, when you said that, I was like, I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He wants to get out there and scare up some quail, man. That's that's man. Let's that's get it he, on. As soon as that shotgun he, comes what, out. That's his mission. That's, yeah. that's his mission. Absolutely. That's his mission, Speaking of dogs, man, I, I I have been, I remember, you know, good hunting dogs when I was a kid. I mean, we used to love good hunt when I was a kid. Oh, and we do that, that out here. The, that was the big thing, boys. Here, you know, when you hear them, they hear them dogs go, and they were ready, you know, they're ready to go. You don't have to talk them into hunt. They're gone, man. Mm-hmm. They know what they're there for. And there's nothing more beautiful than watching a good dog work. 
And when he's fired up and doing his job good, you get into it. And that's exactly what happens in the crowd. Absolutely. I've been to his shows, and that's how it works, man. You get them, you get the old, I mean, he's chasing them birds and just putting just putting out, and the crowd gets, I mean, the hunters, you know, it's, that analogy is perfect for that. It, what's what's cool to me, and I, I've seen, listen, I, I've seen both of y'all work, you know, and 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 what I one of the recent things that I got to see Charlie was you lead the volunteer jam last summer and and what people you know who've never been on stage or perform or had to give some type of performance don't get is just when you get out there if you're good at it you give it your all well you were on that stage for like six hours and and you played with I don't even know how many different the biggest musicians in in the land. You know, Eric Church and everybody else that came out to pay tribute. You know, when you're in that four hour and a half mark, Charlie, and and you're feeling tired, but you know you got to get back up. What are some of the things that you're thinking about? You know, I I pace myself, David. I try to save the best part of myself for for that time of night. I work usually, I'm off the bus for about two and a half, three hours. Most of the hour and a half that I spend on stage is usually about 90 minutes on stage. And I usually go in maybe 45 minutes to an hour before that to do a meet and greet. And I just time my, I time my meals, my food I eat, everything I do, my resting time. I try to time the time, you know, sleep, in the morning or go to bed the night before to sleep in the morning to as many hours of sleep as I need, uh, which is not a lot for me. Usually about six hours will do it for me. And try to do things during the day that I'm not going to tire myself out so bad. I used to go out and play 18 holes of golf when, you know, and then go play a show. I can't do that anymore. So it's a thing with age. You just can't do it or I can't do it. So I try to save the best part of myself for that time of night when I go on stage. That is going to be my most energetic time of of the you know and I'm kind of like the old hunting dog too it's like uh, my mind has been conditioned to that point I mean when when they hit the woods they go to hunt when I hit the stage I go to pick it so <laughs> that's it, it, it's you know you're up for it like uh, like Marcus said they ain't never been a, a, a hunting dog don't want to hunt you know a bird dog don't want to hunt uh, when I get around, if I go see somebody play, I don't want to be sitting out front watching. I want to be on stage playing. That's cool. You know, that's the way it is. Be in the game. So I, <laughs> yes, sir. Put me in the game. Let me be a part of it. So, I mean, it's like, you know, you you get conditioned. I think you get conditioned to uh, to excitement. I, I, when I see a crowd sitting out front, I get excited. I mean, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go do. I've, I've spent 56 years of my life learning to do what I do. And, uh, you know, it's the only thing I know how to do. I can't do anything else. I can't drive a nail. I can't saw a board. I can't do anything but play music. But I don't have a desire to do anything but play music. So I'm living my dream. I saw up here since I learned three chords on the guitar. I've never wanted to do anything else but play music. So it's a dream to me. I still, I'm 79 years old. I'm still living a dream, you know, and I will be living a dream as long as I go on stage. Let me ask you a question. This is what I've always wondered about, and, and it kind of relates to what what we go through. So, one of the ways we learn the, uh, or hear about the hard stuff and what kind of to avoid and and how to stay safe is that the guys before us pass all that down. I mean, we're around them. We take we steal their knowledge from them and their gear if we can, and stuff like that. I mean, is it the same way in y'all's business? Where I mean, those I know every 
country singer coming up. I mean, everyone knows your name across the board. Is it one of them deals where you take the, still take the time to pass down? Like, hey, look, I know what time you're in right now in your life, and it's all crazy, and just the light is flashing kind of deal. But hear me when I say this. Because when I, when I make a point to my son or my kid, I say, look right at me, and you listen to this one. Everything else I say, if I don't say that, you know, hear me or not hear me. But when I say, when I make a point to be like, you need to remember this one. And, and pass that down. I do. You know, I get, I have kids come to me sometime and they'll say, you know, everybody wants a long career. That was one of my first priorities is I didn't want to come in and play music for years and quit. I wanted to, once I got started, I wanted to do it all my life. I wanted to spend my life playing music. And I found out a long time ago that, the only way you can do this, you've got to learn to entertain people. That's what it comes down to. If you've got a lot of hit songs, you can entertain people with hit songs. If you've got a lot of, uh, you know, if you're if, if you're a great looking kid and you look great in a pair of tight jeans and <laughs> and and, and stuff what you got. <laughs> like that, you can, yeah, you can entertain people. I mean, certain you know certain people about. The way you look, I mean, they just enjoy watching you. I have never had e- either. I've never had a. I've had. We've had quite a quite a few. You know, uh, quite a few hit records over the years. But I've never looked good in a pair of tight jeans. So I had to depend on entertaining. And when I talk about entertaining, I'm talking about when a crowd comes in and sits down, and you're doing an hour and a half worth of music. You got to know which songs to start with which songs to put in the middle, and which songs to end with. You've got to have a continuous stream of emotional ups and downs. You Strategy. start off Strategy. You start off like dynamite, you know, and you close like dynamite, but you can't maintain that high all night long, so you have to go up and down. You learn to talk to people. You learn to, if you, if, if you're... Uh, you know, if you if you have the personality for it and the wit for it, you learn to to be a little bit comedic, to be you know, to be to maybe tell a joke or like do something humorous once in a while. But you communicate. This all comes down to communicating with people, and you're entertaining people. And what you want when they walk out the door, you want them to say, "Darn, I had a good time." When they come back next year, I'm going to come see them again. So there you go, man. You come back to the same places year after year after year. We got places we played twenty times sure. through the years. Yeah, and and that's what makes for a long career. And that's what when people ask me, if somebody asks me. Like you were saying a while ago, you know, when you say, take this to heart, basically when they asked me, if I had to answer in one sentence, I would say, learn how to entertain. You want a career? You want a long career? You want a stable career? You want to make a good living? Learn how to entertain people. Who's the greatest entertainer you've ever seen, Charlie? You know, I, I've, one of the people that comes to mind, David, is, is little Jimmy Dickens. Uh, I saw him, Jimmy was, Jimmy, he's also one of my heroes because he was on stage till he was in his 90s. He died not too awfully long ago, and I got to know him after I started being at the Grand Ole Opry, and he was, he was, it's just a great little guy. I saw him the first time my dad took me to see him in Spurtburg, South Carolina, when I was in his seventh grade, which was about probably 1950 or Fifty-one or somewhere along in there, and uh, you know, I I was just taken. I I couldn't play music. I knew nothing about being on stage in front of people, or everything. But I knew this guy did. I knew he had it. 
and all the things that I was just talking about, the, the course, the playing of the music, but the entertaining, the talking to the crowd, the being able to tell a joke, the being able to communicate with people, he had it all. And he had it all to the day he walked off the stage for the last time. Wow. This guy was a consummate entertainer. He's one of the greatest I've ever seen. I'll tell you another one that uh, went about it a different way, but was just constantly entertained from start to finish. And I never saw him live, but I've seen enough tape to know it was Michael Jackson. Wow. Michael Jackson was a ball of fire. I mean, he just, you know, he had it all. He could dance, he could sing, he could do the whole thing. And there there are quite a few people that are that way. But uh, I, if I had to name one that was a real hero of mine that I was familiar with and I knew well enough to, you know, to call a friend, it would be little Jimmy Dickens. He, wow. was, he was incredible. That's pretty cool. It's it's nice, and and we have those guys in in our past too, right? Those oh, yeah. instructors or those other teammates, or even guys like uh, you know Mike Thornton or Tommy Norris. You know those guys that were the influence. Yeah, the, uh, you hear about their battle when, <laughs> when, when in our community. I mean, when you hear about a battle in a, in a guy that's been in it, that's bit, that's saying something because the the community is it's packed full of guys that could all do it. So it's just a matter yeah. of it, who who got lucky enough to be in the story. Yeah, right. Right. Well, yeah, well I tell you. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Charlie. No, go ahead, Charlie. Please. I was just gonna uh, pass another accolade you the way. I so much admire what you do, and, and so thankful for you guys. I go. I remember the day Pearl Harbor was bombed uh, in 1941. I was five years old, and of course we couldn't. We didn't have television. We had to listen to over the radio that uh, Pearl Harbor had been bombed. I didn't know. I was five years old. I didn't grab the the the, the depth and and the le- the gravity of what had happened. I knew something serious had. So I grew up from the time I was five years old till about the time that I was ten years old during the, the Second World War in my hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina, was a strategic place in the Second World War. We had a shipyard, we built Liberty ships, we had a port, all tankers and, and uh, cargo boats would go out to the Cape Fear River and over to Europe to service the troops. And we had German U-boats. It was a very, fa- I can't remember his name, but a very famous German U-boat captain that stayed out over, off the coast of North Carolina that sank ships. And sometimes it was said, I never saw it, but they say it was so close that you could literally see the fires of battle from our beaches. And, you know, we had air raid, we had air raid drills and blackouts and, I mean, all that stuff. And we never knew, we didn't have satellite technology. We didn't know if the Nazis were going to try to bring the war on shore or not. And I learned a lesson. And I learned it very early on. It's for me to this day. Only two things protect America. It's the grace of Almighty God and the United States military. Amen. It was that way in 1941. It was that way in 2016. And it will be that way as long as we remain a free and sovereign nation. It will be the grace of God and guys like you guys, the United States military. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Charlie. That really means the world to us. And one of the the things that we can, you know, end this part of the interview with is just – Oh, another question about just your never quit mindset and, and how you do it. But, you know, little, you know, I think, I don't know how many people know. I think everybody, you know, out there, unless you've been living on a rock, knows Devil Went Down to Georgia, knows you on that fiddle. But I think there are a lot of people out, especially people that will be tuning into this, that just don't, aren't familiar with just how many times you've gone downrange to entertain the troops. And how many times that you've taken your group downrange and into fire bases in Iraq and Afghanistan to try and bring a little bit of America to them? 
My question is, Charlie, why has it been such an important part of your life to do that? Well, David, I never served. I was too I was too young for the first couple of wars in my life and too old for the rest. Of course I, I did I wanted to play music anyway, so I never served. I never was, was uh wore a uniform, I never carried a gun, I never fought for this country. But I have such a great respect, admiration and gratitude for you guys who have that that's kind of my way of serving. It's the only way I can't serve. I can't I can't go into battle with a gun, but I can go where you guys are with a guitar and a fiddle and a band and bring I always open my shows with I bring you greetings from the United States of America. And I want it's important to me for the troops to know that I'd see in places like you were mentioning Afghanistan and Iraq. It was important to me for them to understand the depth of support with the public, the, the rank and file public of the United States of America has for them and how, and, and how much support is there. I travel this country coast to coast and border to border every year. The support for the military is very, very strong. And sometimes you read some of the things you read in the, in the press and here on television and everything, you don't get that idea. But I'm here to tell you, as a man of the common people, which I consider myself, I'm a blue-collar fiddle player. That's what I look at myself <laughs> as being. And, and, and the people that I like, that I'm around, and the common, ordinary people that get up in the work, go to work in the morning, uh, you know, they are into the military. They believe in the military. They love the military, and they support it. So it's always been important to me to go and tell, you know, go over and and and, and play some music and a little relief, you know, from what's going on. And then at the same time, to tell, especially guys of war zones, hey, guys, people back home are aware of you. They know what you're doing. They love you. They pray for you. They believe in you. And they are very, very thankful to you. I tell you what, Mr. Charlie, I, I, I pre- we appreciate that's in the entertainer to the to the military, and I, I make a point not to speak for the entire military ever. But I, I can. There's a couple of things that are almost absolute when you come in there, and, it, and it's this one right here. So I look to you for guidance and for entertainment, and to, as as a man before I was a military man. I, I'm just a, we're, we're both just Americans over here, yeah, just like you, and. You were, I mean, you were something to strive for being successful. And then when we joined the military and we're over there doing that away, you drag yourself all the way over as an icon of what an American man should be like in a battle zone, just with a guitar going, you know what? I do it over there. I'm going to do it right here (laughs) and then go back. And then when we get out, you are still out there doing it for the civilians and the military. And we go back to our regular lives, still looking up to you and as, as you know, it's kind of a guiding light to, uh, to, to strive for. And we have a saying in our family, you know, it's better to shoot at a star and hit a stump than shoot at a stump and miss. <laughs> and there's a lot of truth in that. And some people make it to the stars yeah. and they get where they're going. And some people just wind up hitting the stump, but you can do a lot with a stump. And I, and I, well, I just wanted to tell you, thanks here. for me and for all these years. Well, I appreciate I mean, that. Man, thanks. I do. I know that you guys are, are doing this to try to encourage a lot of folks that uh, a, a lot of folks that never give up and to, to hang in there and get it done. And I just want to add my voice to that. I just so much appreciate what you guys are doing and what what you're doing it for. And and uh, you know, it's it's with y'all. It's kind of been there, done that situation. And I know you. Uh, a lot of people that are, are listening and watching here are. are 
understand what you're talking about and that they appreciate it. And I want you to know from a civilian's point of view, I appreciate it too. It's uh, something that needs to be done, and, and I thank you so much for doing it. Well, thank you, yes, Charlie. Thank, thank you. you. Well, well, that ends the first part of this interview. And, and Charlie, we just want to thank you. I, I, I know in a second here, you know, once we wrap up, people can go to the second half and hear our after actions report uh, on, on the website at tnqpodcast.com, where Charlie will be back on here. Uh, and he's going to really tell you, get into the nitty gritty of what he thinks really people ought to do. So uh, why don't we just say goodbye right now, Charlie, and they can come back when they, they see fit. So thanks again for participating. We love you, Charlie. God bless you. We love you. It was an honor. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Never quit. Game never quit. Game never quit.